Drunk Dietitians is co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. These dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Their mission is for all humans to believe that they were made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. They are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although these ladies are medical professionals, they are human too. They are not afraid to share their deepest, darkest secrets and how years of their lives were taken by diet culture. They started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join Sammy and Jenna for a casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. This is a very different episode because I am not joined by my co-host, Jenna. Um, She was out of the virtual office today. So today I had a guest co-host, someone who I talk a lot about on social media, um, but it is Miss Anna Crum, who is my dietetic intern, I guess you could say assistant. I've called her my bodyguard before and just like, honestly, Anna does everything with me. I don't want to say for me because that sounds bad. Like you, if I didn't have you, (laughs) fine food freedom wouldn't be in existence. So we're just going to leave it at that. Um, You're like the behind the scenes version of me. Um, So thank you for co-hosting with me today, Anna. Oh my gosh. I think I rolled laughing on the floor when you called me your bodyguard the first time. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad Jenna allowed me to take her spot. And yeah, I just really wanted to be present for this podcast today because we get so many RD2Bs reaching out for some of these questions that we went over with Edie. And I just wanted to be here to represent and be part of the conversation. So thank you. Of course. <laughs> and I think it's Um, so yes, I'm glad you said Edie's name. We should probably intro her and our conversation. Um, but yeah, so today we had on, um, Edie Shrek, who is one of my favorite sports haze aligned dietitians. And when I say haze, that is health at every size. And, um, we know that diet culture is so loud and so prominent. And then there's this sport culture on top of that. And Edie does an amazing job of breaking that down today. And, I know, uh, you know, Anna and I are very close and she came to me just saying like, I love haze and intuitive eating and everything I've learned with you. And I love sport and working with athletes and can they be married together? And my brain was like, oh, we got to talk to Edie. Like, why haven't we had her on the podcast already? Like, this is silly. Um, so the episode was everything I expected. And then some, um, Edie is one of the most amazing humans. Um, just her character and her resilience and everything about her is amazing. So yeah, so this episode is awesome. And it's so, I love your perspective, Anna, as just being a dietetic intern and someone who it's crazy to me that you're not a dietitian. Like I just kind of (laughs) treat you as one because I'm like, you, you are, you are more of a dietitian than many dietitians I know. So, um, of course. And so I think this will be an awesome conversation. It'll be great for other RDs to be, or just people who are athletes, retired athletes, super athletic, um, 
anything related to sport, this is great. And so if anyone listened to our old episode or previous episode with uh, Victoria Garrick and you loved that episode, you were going to absolutely love this. Um, so without further ado, let's jump right in to our episode with Edie. Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. Today I am super excited um, to have a very, very special guest who is near and dear to my heart, not only a colleague, but also a friend. We have Edith Schreckengast, or you could just say Edie Schreck if we're going off of her, her Instagram name. Um, she is a board certified specialist in sports dietetics, so CSSD. She's a certified diabetes educator. She just happens to be the sports dietitian for the Mariners, as well as Seattle University with a health at every size focus. Um, I'm gonna do some humble bragging for you, Edie, before I let you talk that she has completed three marathons, full marathons, and her best time was three hours and 20 minutes, which is absolutely freaking insane. She's done a half marathon at one hour and 28 minutes, um, which is also, I'm like laughing, just thinking of my times and my head. Um, Edie has received triathlon triathlon collegiate all-american honors in college and came 13th overall female in the 2016 pittsburgh marathon what up pittsburgh um i could like brag so much about you but edie i'm just so happy you're here i am so excited to be here so thanks for having me <laughs> of course and before we got rolling i said i was gonna say this and anna's face was like what are you talking about so i also <laughs> would love to share how edie and i know each other is that we were in the same dietetic internship class at a dietetic internship that doesn't exist anymore so like i always <laughs> joke i don't even know if i'm a dietitian like legit <laughs> Um, just kidding. But so, um, at our dietetic internship, we were so lucky to have a badass group of, I think it was 12 of us. Um, mm -hmm. and at our Christmas part or holiday party, I hosted it at my like home where I grew up and everyone slept over and we ripped peppermint patty shots in the basement. And, um, Haley Goodrich was also a part of that. So we'll name drop her too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that because I think I had to leave the next day early to go pick up. Uh, we went to Ohio Cow Dog Rescue. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that's when I picked up my second dog. His name's Kale, uh, but he was already named that. I just didn't change it. <laughs> so the next dog I'll probably get named a cupcake or something. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I've had Kale since then. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I know you have you have two yeah two dogs right now, right? Yep. yep. Steely, and she was named after the Steelers. That was my husband's. Um, yeah, <laughs> naming. And then yeah, and then Kale. And then I want a third one, but um, that's been nixed, so we can't have a third one. <laughs> he's like, no, nope, you're yeah, he's like, yeah. You got a cat and two dogs. You're fine. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I. We're really excited for this conversation, and I'm going to actually hand it over to Anna real quick. Of Anna, when I brought up Edie to you, I want you to just share with everyone listening like how that came to be and, and what you asked me so we can really set that grounding. Yeah, so <laughs> I think when I first asked Sammy this question, and she didn't hesitate that she was like, you have to talk to Edie. She was like, hands down, she's the person to go to. Basically, I just came to Sammy and was like, can intuitive eating, can an intuitive eating approach and health at every size approach like exist in the sports mm. world? Mm -hmm. Like, and how do you navigate that? And as an RD2B, 
how do you navigate that like in your journey to like maybe become like I know Edie you're the head dietitian for MLB team right now like how do you apply those principles in mm -hmm. a job like at that level totally. um and Sammy didn't hesitate she was like oh I'm just gonna email Edie right now like we're gonna do drunk dietitians it's gonna be great and I cannot wait to just hear how you got to where you are today and how you really just stay curious and all of those good things. So I'm super excited to hear all of your answers. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just, I just love that question too. And I think you nailed it. Like, how do you stay curious? Right. Cause I'm still learning and you're always going to be learning. So I think it's being open to that and not, and knowing that you might not have the answer in that moment. So totally cool. Yeah. So I think that's, that's like our overarching question for today. But to start, I think, you know, Edie, just like every dietitian, we have this path that gets us to where we are today. So you haven't always been an MLB dietitian, right? You haven't always been necessarily sports specific. So I would love for you to just kind of share from internship, or you can even go back to college or before you knew what you wanted to be when you grew up, like, and you can take as much time. It could be 30 seconds or 30 minutes of just kind of telling your story of like how you got to where you are today as a dietitian. Awesome. Yeah. I don't think I want to talk about myself for 30 minutes, but, <laughs> but yeah, I'll get started. Oh my gosh. So I've always, um, just love sports in general. I, I knew I wanted to play some form or participate in some form in sports in high school. And that's actually when I got kind of started in nutrition too. Um, I remember, um, the athletic trainer recommended Nancy Clark's, uh, sports nutrition fueling guide. And I got that in high school. And then, um, I went to a D3 school where I ran in college for a couple of years, but I really wanted to become a dietitian and get more invested um, in that type of field. And so I transferred over to Virginia Tech. And there's really where I think the haze, and I didn't even know it was haze at the time, uh, but just the type of, you know, fueling and eating for pleasure and satisfaction that also yields performance. That's really, that really took off. Um, for myself at Virginia Tech. Uh, it, I loved working with the sports um, fueling station there too, the sports nutrition department. Uh, we had fantastic dietitian, Jenny. Um, she's consulting, but she was a head dietitian there for a long time. Um, and so then from there, I got my uh, master's in behavioral community nutrition. Um, and I did a lot working with uh, specific research, wasn't actually sports related, but uh, working with underprivileged or areas where social determinants were a big factor um, for individuals with uh, with pregnancy and also with movement and trying to do group motivation theory principles. So that was really interesting to work with that population. Um, and then from there, that's where I met Sammy and we went to the internship in Pittsburgh. And so I've always just loved sports nutrition and, um, there's not a lot of sports nutrition jobs when you're, when you're out, <laughs> unless you want to take unpaid, um, opportunities, which are fantastic experience opportunities or you might get some stipends. Uh, there's a great uh, Gatorade SNP internship you can apply for. That is phenomenal, um, and that is a stipend. Um, but unfortunately for me, location was critical uh, because I wanted to stay in the, the Pittsburgh area. So I got a job right after the internship um, as a uh, outpatient dietitian with Excel Health Hospital System. So it's about 20 to 30 miles outside Pittsburgh. Some of those sites are even 50 miles outside. It's more of a lower income area. Um, and it was phenomenal to work there. So 
I was there for four years, and during that time, um, the outpatient services didn't uh, see any eating disorders at all, so they'd refer out. Um, so during that time, I was able to develop and implement the first eating disorder outpatient service. Um, and so I also partnered with the sports medicine physician there, the concussion specialist, to offer sports nutrition services. So it was super exciting to develop that and partner with the physician and then really offer something that, you know, a lot of people didn't have the uh, ability or resource to get down to Pittsburgh. And so making sure that, yeah, if there was higher level of care that we're elevating um, those individuals that are suffering with eating disorders and not being supported through that, then also getting all of the, um, the athletes in that area too that didn't have education around that. And during that time, I was able to work with Leslie Bonsi. Um, so she's a pretty big heavy hitter for the sports nutrition world. And I just remember um, working with Pitt with her uh, with football team and doing a little bit of the Steelers at that time. So super exciting. Um, and then from there, you just, I really was able to network and connect with different universities. Uh, Carnegie Mellon, I worked extensively with. Um, the fun thing with that is doing cooking demos with them. So I did cooking demos with all the athletes, um, showing them just not, you know, the importance of fueling, but also, you know, all foods fit. So what does that look like? And what resources do you have available to you in the dorm room? Um, you know, everything's not black and white. So really not just, you know, teaching it or saying it out loud, but then actually um, showing it through food. So I think that cannot be said enough how important that is. Um, also worked a little bit with Duquesne, Carlo, Seam Hill, Robert Morris University was in Pittsburgh. Um, so connected with all that with sports nutrition consulting, anywhere from one-on-ones, presentations, cooking demos, looking at policies and protocols, um, all that fun stuff. <laughs> um, and then uh, that led me to, we eventually moved for my husband's work um, and he, he works for Brooks Running Company, which is fantastic. And um, I think it even partners really well with uh, Hayes and Intuitive Eating. They're just motto of run happy. Um, so that resonates with me too. Uh, but we came over to Seattle and I worked a short stint in a food service company. Like Then I got connected with Seattle University. So I'm their sports um, consulting dietitian. And then I also, um, for my day job, get to work, uh, have the privilege to work with Medicaid and Medicare uh, members and offer free nutrition and health coaching services to them. So that's fantastic. Um, and I'm the head sports dietitian at Seattle Mariners. So that's where I am today. <laughs> you don't do a lot or anything. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, you're not busy. Not a lot. And I, you made me giggle because I thought back to when we, I don't remember if that was in our internship or after our internship. Do you remember you and I went to the Steelers training facility and yep. we did a cooking class with the pit football team yes. and some grocery store tours. And it was so interesting to gauge their awareness of nutrition. I will never forget one of the football players on the grocery store tour was like, so I heard beer has a lot of protein in it. Like, should I drink <laughs> beer if I'm going to drink alcohol? And I was like, Lord, we have a lot uh, to talk about. It was so, oh my gosh. Yeah. I think I almost saw one cut off his thumb with avocado because he was trying to cut the avocado. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And we got photos too. And they yeah. were so tall. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'll have to pull those photos back up, but that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, um, fun stuff. 
Yeah. So you, you're so entrenched in sport day to day. And Mm -hmm. so I think really going back to Anna's question, um, and I know we have a ton of RDs to be that reach out, like Mm -hmm. even if they're not sport related, but just being like, how do I get into intuitive eating and haze? Mm -hmm. But then that sport adds a whole nother element. So how have you, that's a very broad question, but how have you yeah. been able to marry these two together and start to apply these approaches? It's such a good question. And it's such a valid question too, because when you're entrenched, entrenched into the sports world, it's a culture within a culture. So it's a sports culture within our overlining um, pervasive diet culture, right? So um, some of that factors kind of leach into the sports culture. And then within that, there's even a sports specific culture. So um, to marry to marry them, you know, it's, it's kind of bridging the gap. It's essential. So I think as a sports dietitian, you know, I want to help support athletes develop positive relationship with food. And that only happens when you're, um, utilizing haze or intuitive eating principles. So it's really, you know, I think to answer that question, the most important question is why haze or why health at um, every size and intuitive eating. And that is because it's pr- the pervasive belief, I believe, that weight and body shape equals performance is so wrong on so many different levels. Um, so our society really praises the athlete that follows that type of principle and um, uh, not just principle, but uh, maybe they do restrictive dieting or they have a strict diet and they praise that, that those type of traits. And it, I'm kind of going into to, um, eating disorders because those traits are similar to someone that has an eating disorder. Uh, for example, they might be perfectionistic goal driven and able to push through pain. So that's some of the same principles that are highly valued in an athlete too. So our job as a sports dietitian and a dietitian, you know, as a whole is to help individuals navigate through that static out there that can be really harmful to them, not just as an athlete, but as a human being, because they're someday they might not, um, be an athlete or be in that type of sport. But, you know, the question is, do they, are they able to have pleasure from movement now? Are they able to have pleasure from food or eating experience, post-collegiate career, uh, career, post-professional career, you know? And that's, I think, the main reason that we're here to help support the athlete, really tuning into their bodies, what their needs are, and helping them be their body's expert. And that's why I tell my athlete time and time again, you're your body's expert, but sometimes they have to rediscover those food signals of hunger or fullness, or even rediscover joy and movement. They might have really been training for 20 years, you know, in a specific sport, and it's just, they're burnt out, or they're, they're, they have to do something versus, you know, they, they want to, or they, they get joy from it, or they're looking forward to some part of it. So I think that's where um, I implement or, you know, try to marry the haze by working with athletes to develop their own mindfulness skills. And I'm still developing my own mindfulness skills. So it's always, I think we're always in development, which is exciting. And, and these skills really do offer the athlete valuable feedback, so valuable. So it really helps support them in feeling more in charge and helps them increase, you know, their confidence and their ability to fuel 
um, and not just fuel, but promote practices that really encourage that connection to their mind, body, and their appetite. So, and I know with athletes too, especially um, as you get higher in uh, intensity of training, training volume, the appetite can really be suppressed. So that's where it's also our job to guide them and helping them um, educate on, you know, sports nutrition principles, right, of application to their specific sport of essential nutrients, timing, fueling, quantity that is needed. But we want to make sure that we're helping them really honor their hunger and making peace with their food um, and feel being able to rediscover that joy in movement again to a lot of my athletes um, have maybe lost touch with that, especially towards the end of their career. Um, so the biggest thing or takeaway from that question um, as sports RD is, you know, their old bodies are good bodies. And if we don't have that perspective, then that can really transfer to the athlete that we're working with. So profound. And I think it's like athletes are humans, right? Yeah. Like I think people totally. forget that, that it's like, uh-huh. it, this humanizes that. Um, the big questions that come to mind for me too are like, and please tell me if I'm wrong, isn't it like one out of every three athletes has eating disorder? I believe that. Yeah, I've seen that statistic, one out of three, one out of five, or it's sports specific too. Okay. But we we know for a fact athletes are more at risk for eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And in some instances, some sports, some disciplines, that statistic really goes up. And from that too, I wouldn't be surprised one out of three definitely have disordered eating or eating disorder um, or a history of it. Yeah. So when you're comparing to um, an average population. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you had, I know I had this personally at Penn state when I worked with some of the athletes, like of course in sport, predominantly male dominated, um, industry mm-hmm. where people might not have the all bodies are good bodies mentality. Yeah. Where do you, do you run into red flags where coach trainer, whoever says, well, they need to cut this amount of weight or they mm-hmm. need to do this. And you're over here in a haze paradigm. So how, what happens there? Yeah. I I think it's always being, um, uh, always asking questions. Well, why do they need to do that? You know? Um, so finding out where that coach is coming from, but then also not being afraid to educate that coach. Uh, cause you've sat down hopefully with this athlete and now you're like, this is what I'm recommending. And this is why. Um, so this athlete, you know, is now binging and purging. And I do not recommend that we're putting it on him on him or her on a restrictive diet because uh, it is affecting their mental health and performance. Like we should really focus them on um, developing a meal pattern and reinvestigating pleasure with foods and feelings of fullness and also checking in with what resources this athlete has because just because they're an athlete doesn't mean they're going home to um, a full access to a kitchen or food that is readily available for them to purchase or foods they like or are comfortable with. Um, so it's kind of redirecting and educating the coaches um, and staff um, why you're recommending something and specifically for that athlete, the importance of it for their health and well-being. I love that. 
I'm going to yeah. shut up and let Anna ask a question because I could just keep on going. <laughs> I, I mean, love it, this. It's such a, we could just talk about that all day, right? Because yeah. we're going to get that every yeah. single day. Um, yes. You're going to walk in and that's going to be, you know, a referral you receive or, hey, this athlete's um, gained 20 pounds and we, we need to see him cut. I had a similar thing right at Excella too with the awesome um, sports uh, sports physician. There's another fellow who's like, yeah, this athlete's doing really good. Um, he cut 15 pounds from the weight he had gained. Meanwhile, when I met with him, uh, he, he had bulimia and as a freshman, he really struggled with his mental health, um, and got injured and then really, um, utilized very harmful practices, um, to see that, but was praised when he walked back into the office and cleared. So that was a point, an educational point on my part, where I was able to take that position, um, our fellow, and go, hey, this is a conversation we had, and that's very negative. Um, uh, when you're praising an athlete's weight, it, it was very negative for that athlete's headspace. Um, so next time, you know, that might be a, a red flag that we want to not say, hey, good job on X, Y, and Z, or the specific number, but um, utilize it as a teaching opportunity to uh, ask questions, what's going on. Yeah. So as important. Jenna, as Jenna would say, so many golden nuggets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jenna says that every podcast, like everything that you said, E just was so powerful. Like, and especially for athletes, like your life after being an athlete, like that is so important mm -hmm. to like teaching them skills like during their time with you that will carry on past like yes. their athletic career. Um, and I would love for you to kind of expand more on that. Like what skills or like just tools do you make sure to like educate your athletes on to help prepare them for like after their career? Cause I by no means was a collegiate athlete. I played sports in high school, but even going into college, I felt that post athlete, like, okay, like I need to navigate food and like mm -hmm. joyful movement. And I by no means played on a collegiate scale at all. So I can only imagine like college athletes or pro athletes, like that totally. after like in navigating that. So love oh to hear my Gosh, <laughs> yes, totally. I love this question because I feel like that's our job too, right? Oh my gosh. Uh, because the, the coaches staffing, there's fantastic coaches and staffing support systems out there and sports medicine team that I work with. Um, they're phenomenal. Um, and so being able to be a part of that has been amazing, but also if it's a disservice to the athlete, if we're not also, um, making sure that we're giving skill sets, um, that are sustainable post-collegiate career, post-professional career, post-high school career. Right. And so all that is so important. Um, so when I'm working with an athlete and I'm sitting down with them and I'm like, Hey, uh, so I want to check in with, uh, what are their, um, thoughts and feelings around food? For example, you know, what's their favorite food and are they restricting it now and why? And then it's an opportunity to help guide them through that kind of our diet culture, right? Good, bad foods. If you eat, if you eat a bad food, you're bad, right? If you eat a good food, you're good. So you're good athlete. Um, so it's really breaking down that type of structure in their mind to have where, yeah, food is fuel, but not just that. Oh, there's so much more to it. It's pleasure, right? It gives you social interactions. And I want to make sure that they're um, being able to be flexible um, in the sports space 
that they can then go on and use that flexibility with their food and body post-athletic career, uh, where they can go for, because um, I've always been a runner, but I can go for a run and be okay if I don't get my three miles in or I walk during it. Um, and then they're not justifying their workout to their value and what they can eat afterwards. So really dialing in on that early in their career or whenever I'm able to get them, just set them up with that type of skill set. Because uh, that's so important, often forgotten, right? Because we have all these other external cues saying, we have to get this athlete to, the, to this place. Uh, we want to make sure, you know, maybe it's their last year that they have their best year yet, or they're freshmen and they're struggling and we want, we want to elevate them from their high school performance. Yeah. That's, it's so common. And we yeah. had, do you know Victoria Garrick by any chance? I do not. Okay. Yeah. So we had her on, I'll have to send you our podcast we did with her, but she's, uh, uh, she played at USC. She played volleyball mm -hmm. and she has a nonprofit called the hidden opponent. And she did some work with Kobe Bryant before he passed on his book. Um, but she talks about mental health with athletes yeah. and, just that's what she brings awareness to. And so, so much of this is kind of exact, not, I want to say exactly what we talked about with her, but a very, it's a very coupled episode to that. And I've seen it. I have so many, you know, post athletes that now I'm going to use like air quotes. They're normal people. They've always mm -hmm. been normal people, yeah. but it's that, that struggle of like, yeah, what is my purpose now? What, what is my body? If it's not this machine, what is, you know, what is food if it's not fueling a workout? Do I even deserve it? Like I've had people yeah. ask those questions. And so um, it's, it's so, so, so important. Oh, sure. for sure. And it's been, it's been ingrained into them in er so early, especially if they started the sport. And, and the trend in America has been very um, one sport specific. You get them in young and they go through that. Um, to get that elite level. Um, and even just if you're just doing it for fun, high school level too, it's, it's that ingrained into that kind of culture of this is what I be, need to be doing. This is how I value myself. And it's actually, there's so many other things besides that sport um, that you can get pleasure from and rediscovering that and rediscovering yourself. Because uh, we, we start, I think of it as like a self-identity. So in college, um, early high school, college, you really develop your kind of own self-identity, but then we also have a sport self-identity. So is that overriding your self-identity as a whole um, when you're post-career? Post and, you know, how can we help marry those two together where you're in a place that, uh, that is neutral to where you can work to a positive place? Yes. Yeah. Love that. I know mm -hmm. this one question I'm very excited to ask you just because we talked about it previously, kind of the weight standards also yeah. and like just the diet talk and like yeah. in a perfect world, like if we could remove weight standards from performance, like how do you think this would affect athletes? Because I just thinking of removing just eat this, not that you can't have that because you'll gain X amount of pounds. Like mm -hmm. if we could just remove all of that talk completely, in my mind, I'm just like, if I did this when I was in high school, I feel like I would have enjoyed sports like 10 times better because I'm not focusing mm -hmm. on what I look like. I'm focusing on performing. Oh and I can gosh. only imagine if you could just remove those standards mm -hmm. completely and just focus on performance, that would 
change it would change the game <laughs> for sports. It would, it would I change think. the world. Yeah. Ment- mental health would be so improved, but not just that physical health. Right. Uh, I think I, uh, I love every question, but this question is very special. <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of the biggest, I'll give an example. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure if you heard, but, uh, of Mary Kane, uh, but she is a phenom track athlete. Um, I started watching her back when she was in high school, um, and she was competing against pros and winning. Um, so she was a prodigy, uh, 2013, she really had a come out year. Um, and she, she came out with a video last year that I think everyone Google it, definitely watch it and it hits all points of your question. Um, So it's Mary Kane's story. I was the fastest girl in America until I joined Nike. Um, So she was the youngest track and field athlete to make a world championship team. I mean, just that alone, I mean, your mind is like, um, Mm. but yeah. So when she joined that team, the same type of principle. Um, it was hounded on her and she says in the video, uh, and I don't do justice, um, what she says, but, uh, thinness was ideal. She was just hounded, um, to lose weight. Thinner is better. Uh, I mean, the, the coach would yell at her if he thought she had gained weight right before a race in front of other runners, she would be weighed in front of her team. Um, those type of very, very unhealthy behaviors um, really lead to underfueling um, and lost a menstrual cycle for her for three years, you know, and that that can really lead to, to REDS, which is relative energy deficiency in sport. And it's so harmful for the athlete. I think it's um, I think it's really counterculture to fuel appropriately not just as an athlete, but as a human being, right? (laughs) So, and for that, what REDS really signifies is low energy availability. It can have hormonal disturbances, loss of muscle mass. I mean, you increase fatigue, injury, uh, suboptimal bone density. So you can increase risk for stress fractures. You know, if, if I have a female athlete or male athlete that's restricting, they're three to five times more likely to get a stress fracture. Um, it impairs your training adaptations, prolonged injury, um, injury recovery process. And so that's where to answer that question, you know, uh, it can be triggered by having such a huge emphasis on weight and how important that is to the athlete's ability when that that is a, a specific number that might not tell you anything right uh, especially to how that athlete's doing being and living mic drop so yeah good. <laughs> so good i yeah if only you could just be the dietitian for every athlete in America. That would oh be gosh. You're like, I, I don't do have that. Time. Don't make me do that. <laughs> oh man. It, but it's really, it's supported though, especially um, it, back to Mary Keene. Uh, you know, she, she, that messaging was supported. It was ingrained. Uh, the coach really supported that. They listened. Um, and there was no ability in that situation to deviate or you had to leave the team. Um, so that's the sports culture that, that, um, she was really in and really sends a strong message to the athlete, uh, a very unhealthy message. Um, and she got out, which is, I mean, just the resilience to do that is yeah. amazing. Yeah. So my head goes like, I'm sure you've had, you know, you have 
like we've talked about already, like maybe coaches coming at you with like, mm-hmm. you know, you need, they need to lose this amount of weight or this percent body fat or whatever. Um, you might have parents. Do you ever have parents yeah. of your athletes coming at you and saying like, what, like, what do you mean they can have a donut or like, mm-hmm. do you get that? Or, or how does that family dynamic work? Totally. Um, totally get that. Especially I think for some of the sports I've talked about too, that you, you have that um, at a very early age. Um, the parents can be very, very invested in their, their son, daughter, um, or, you know, child, um, where they're like, no, this is what they should be eating. This is what they should be doing. And it's really education, really trying to use the evidence-based science to say, yeah, no, that's not appropriate. Like we need, uh, fueling. We need a sustainable fueling and we need enough fueling, you know, under fueling can really have metabolic damage, but not just that to mental health too, and really emphasize that. So I think that's where, when you're looking with the lens of athletic context, um, less does not mean better, right? Thinner does not equal faster. Uh, Cause that, that can really create eating disorder, like behavior patterns or development of an eating disorder that is lifelong, um, that can be lifelong. Um, if not treated appropriately. And so there's really important with, especially any athlete, any individual that we're highlighting, hey, this is the research, but also this is a human being. And these are principles we can use post-collegiate career, or post-athletic career, um, or even right now that supports them. So I think just really reviewing the emphasis of that. Um, and it's, you're going to be saying it, you're going to be saying it time and again, but you can shift, you can educate. Um, and sometimes you're going to have to agree to disagree with someone, especially when they're ingrained or entrenched into that type of diet culture. Mm-hmm. That is where my next question comes up is like, how do you take care of you? <laughs> like yeah. because yeah. every answer you've given is like, I have to educate. I have to ask yeah. questions like you. It's almost like you can't, I don't want to say you can't do your job because of mm-hmm. course you're killing it, but it's like you're getting questioned on everything you're applying when you're like, mm-hmm. no, this is what it is. So how do you like, what do you do for your mental health? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I show up every day and do that and be like, and be okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, fight today. Um, <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think first it's good to do your own work too. And to have mentors, um, and individuals that you reach out to and have that discussion and peer support. Um, so you're, I'm always going to be doing work on myself. Um, and I think that's one thing that's really helped to be that grounded, um, to find your own food, uh, you know, peace and, and body, body imagery work too. So it's really, um, I've worked on my foundation, right? And you're always going to have cracks or something comes up where you might have to rebuild a foundation, but um, to have that foundation is where you're able to then explore and educate with individuals that might not be where you're at. (laughs) And that's totally okay. Uh, Mental health side of things, uh, very good support system at home. Um, And I love my doggies. (laughs) So I really do, you know, love, love to be able to have the opportunity and privilege to go for a run and get joy from that. Um, I had competed at a pretty high level at tech um, in triathlons. It was all American in that. And 
from that space too, I had one of the best coaches I'll probably ever have in my life. Um, he made me feel, um, Jim McGeehee with one-on-one -on -one endurance. He, he made me feel, um, support as an athlete, but not just as a, as a person. So he really was a sniffing and figure that he didn't even know it helped develop that space where I could explore haze into eating because um, he supported me not as an athlete, but as an individual. Um, so I didn't have the type of toxic messaging uh, that you see often. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He's I love that you went to Virginia tech because I told Sammy when she told me, she was like, Oh yeah, she went to Virginia tech. My whole yeah. family is like hokey fans. Like my parents <laughs> are from Virginia. I was born in Florida, raised in Florida. I'm not like an FSU UF fan. Like I'm a oh, Virginia awesome. tech fan. Oh my gosh. I, so I was like, I, yes. <laughs> go Hokies. I would Sorry. always say that during our internship. Yes. Like yeah. she would literally like somewhere like in a study, they'd be like, I'm from Virginia tech. And we'd be like in class and Edie yeah. would be like, go Hokies. <laughs> like what is she literally. doing? Like when I see people like with shirts down here, like casually they'll be walking back from the beach or something and be like, go Hokies. Like they'll look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm just like, you don't understand. Like it's foreign in Florida to see somebody with Virginia tech here. So like, I just love that even more like part about you is like Virginia tech certified. Like there you go. <laughs> Yep. Hokey, hokey raised. So <laughs> yes, I love that. And I love, thank you for sharing that. Like, you know, you're what you're working on personally, because I think that's something I've definitely chatted about in previous episodes. I feel like I do literally say Haley's name every episode. She's probably stopped talking about me, but because of her, like, and you know, and her, like the well seek and, and their whole like group of being able to get support. Um, and, and whoever, you know, whoever you're seeking that additional, yeah. um, supervision from, cause that's something that any RDs to be that are listening or even dietitians, like we're not, we're not mandated to have supervision. So if you're just out there on your own thinking you need to have all the answers and know all the things and be doing all the things like that's, that's hard and that yeah. leads to burnout. So being able to have people that you turn to and you trust and you look up to, that you can unload some of this with is so important. Oh, it's huge. It's so huge. Yeah. Cause we're not always going to know the answer and I don't always know the answer and being open to that and not going knee jerk. I have to dictate or tell the right answer right away. Um, you know, just being open to explore. I mean, yeah, having, having that and also setting your own boundaries, uh, so important. So important. And we're always, we're going to have good days and bad days. Like, you know, I talked, I talked about this like foundation, right? Well, sometimes my foundation has a little crack in it, you know, and I have to do some self work or take a break and, um, work on that. So. Question for both Sammy and you, Edie. You so yeah. <laughs> I just love that there's three people out of your internship group that have now like, just as a professional are like intuitive eating, like health at every size, like mm -hmm just like ingrained, like, what do you think was different? Like for you guys, or how do you think, like, I just think it's huge that three of you guys, you started off like your journey. There's five, five now okay, that so. I know of. There might be more. Yeah. I'm thinking Brianna, JC, they're both Hayes. Casey. Casey's Hayes. That's six. Yeah. yeah. That's like, what do you think was 
different. Like, I just think that's amazing. It wasn't our internship, I'll tell you. No, like, there definitely was not. That group, for sure, because, I mean, yeah. like, powerhouses were, like, born out of that internship group. It was, what were those shots that you made, Sammy? Those peppermint patties? It had to, it had to be the peppermint <laughs> patty shot in my base. That's my answer. Peppermint patty shot, definitely. 100%. <laughs> I, it, it is true, though. I, I do look back on our internship, and I'm like, holy shit. Like, I can't imagine going through a different internship. But I think for, I mean, I know for me personally, and I've shared this on our previous episode, it was a culmination. Definitely, I would say Haley and you were kind of like, the, I would say the first that I recognized. But when Haley switched over from Excella to her private practice with intuitive eating and Hayes, I was like, I don't even know what this is. I've never heard of this. Mm-hmm. So I, I reached out to her and I was like, what is this? Like, tell me, <laughs> tell me more. Um, yeah. And then that hit the ground running for me but how about like were, did you because you said in college with running that you had exposure did you know what intuitive eating was before adagio no but i was applying the principles so without knowing yeah okay. yeah and i think that really um applying some of the principles because i know um in college you know, I, I had a lot of injuries in college when I was running, um, and I underfueled, um, lost my menstrual cycle and unintentionally had a bone, you know, a stress fracture that really led me to explore. And then in, when I was at Virginia tech, just exploring the concept of, you know, fueling, um, appropriately without the diet mindset of, you know, uh, yeah. Why did I try to track my calories before? You know, like, well, I mean, that's what we're taught in college. Right. But no, like I don't got time for that. That's boring. <laughs> like that's not pleasurable, you know, eating to eating to have fun. And I know at one time, uh, in my master's, it was a $5 you get in beer garden. And for those beer drinkers, I'm so sorry. I don't drink beer. I love wine. I can do wine all day, but, um, it, all you can eat pizza. And I had gone a couple slices of pizza, no big deal. And then, um, the graduate student PhD student commented, you know, I didn't expect you to, to eat that pizza. And I was like, what do you mean? It's dinner time. I paid for it. <laughs> like, am I not going to eat? And she's like, no, you're just, you know, you're in nutrition and you're an athlete. And I was like, uh, well, this is dinner and I paid for it and I love pizza. So <laughs> yeah. And I think it's really, um, it really just applies to my, my everyday during really exploring like, yeah, I'm not going to be worried or fixated on my weight, even though the message, or I'm going to try not to, even though the toxic messaging is out there. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that really helped develop, um, I think my own self identity and yeah, like I'm going to go have fun. I'm going to work as hard as I can, but I'm also going to have as much fun as I can and fuel and try to eat appropriately and, you know, eat what I want when I want, when I can. Um, so yeah. (laughs) I love that you brought that back to self identity and, and some of the, you know, things you mentioned, whether it's like calorie counting on, you know, tracking, when we look at these disordered eating behaviors, like if people just really slow down and ask themselves, like, do I enjoy doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that can be so clear, but I think what's hard is that so many people, they, they are a little detached from their self-identity mm-hmm. because of diet culture and the, the external influence, influences of it. 
Um, but yeah, it's, if we just slow down and say like, do I enjoy this? If the answer is no, back to curiosity, why are we doing it? And we know Mm -hmm. all three of us here that the research also shows not only is it not enjoyable, but it's definitely not impacting our health in a positive way. So if that was the motivator of trying to be air quotes healthy, Mm -hmm. it's not helping that or achieving that. So totally. And I, yeah, because it's, I went from, you know, uh, uh, collegiate running to then triathlons in that triathlon space with that specific coach. Um, Jim was phenomenal space to explore that because he really supported the holistic whole person as an athlete um, and huge proponent of fueling with enough energy when prior um, the at CNU, the emphasis was more on performance. You've got to perform, um, you, you know, you got to do what it takes to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've seen it. At, I'm not going to name universities because I don't want to get in trouble with certain things that I disclose, <laughs> but I've seen track coaches force vegan diets on the whole team. Yep come in and say you have to lose a certain percent body fat um when girls already had lost their menstrual cycle Mm -hmm. and are withering away and you know their mental health is suffering so there's a lot you you are so needed in sport Edie and we we are so appreciative of you coming and sharing your gifts with us and I hope this this message will reach thousands and thousands of people and I hope they can continue to share it with friends and athletes and active folk who just need to hear this because so many people need this message. Oh my gosh. You right back at you. So, and it's, it's so pervasive too. Um, I had a, you know, a athlete recently tell me how her gyno and we've been working, um, for a while together. Well, not a while, but several four to five months for her to regain refeed or regain her period and refeed. And it, she was in such a great space. Um, and then she set up the gyno appointment with this new gynecologist to, Hey, why haven't I gained my period back? And it's like, yeah, we can get that checked in. That's good. Um, it's still probably going to take time, uh, since you hadn't had it for, you know, two years. Uh, but the gynecologist told her, um, well, you know, uh, like most professional runners don't have periods. So, I mean, it's just that type of messaging, not just from coaching, but from also, you know, healthcare provider. Uh, is out there and happening daily, you know, that this happened a couple months ago. So it's, it's something that we always need to um, be aware of. And so, and go, Hey, no, (laughs) that is inaccurate. Uh, First of all, you know, you're not working with professional athletes. Second of all, that's still not good for a professional athlete. Like, (laughs) so that's, that's a no, like so many other things are going on to where the athlete isn't able to support a functioning period. So it's like, we could get back to that period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, but, no. <laughs> that's, but that's where, and that's why I asked you that question of boundaries and your mental yeah. health. Cause I just, I can't imagine like fighting diet culture is fucking hard, man. Mm-hmm. Like it is, you know, it's so hard. And so being in that space, but then like you said, having the sport culture attached to it, like, that's why I'm like, that's like having like two walls falling on you at once instead of just one. Mm -hmm. So that's where that like breathing, you know, after you get off the phone with that gynecologist, Mm -hmm. you can just MF them and then, you know, take some breaths, you know, and then just get back to it. But it's, 
it, you're right. It's everywhere. It's family, it's friends, it's diet culture, it's medical professionals, it's coaching. And mm-hmm. so that's why these messages are so important to make sure we get them in the hands or the ears of, of as many people as possible for sure. Before we wrap up here, Anna, I'm going to hand it over to you. Any last burning questions on your end? I think the last question I have is just what's your biggest piece of advice for like an RD2B that Mm -hmm. wants to pursue sports, like with an intuitive eating health at every size approach. And maybe for like an athlete too, like if you're an athlete and you want to take that approach and want to focus not on your weight, you just want to simply focus on performance. Like what would be your biggest advice for navigating that space of intuitive eating and health at every size for just the setting of sports? Another really good question. I love it. Okay. I'll start with the the athlete first. Definitely getting people on your team. So that support your goals, um, that support that um, haze and intuitive eating. So there's so much more haze intuitive eating practitioners out there, therapists. Um, I know the eating disorder of Poe that we refer to um, here in Seattle is Hayes and Tuning Eating Aligned. Um, so having those type of resources uh, on your side and then also, you know, being, being okay to explore and not know the answers. Uh, a lot of times with athletes that, that can be tough because they're very goal driven. So they, that you give them um, a set of requirements or, you know, they, they want specific requirements versus guidelines um, for different scenarios. And so they want to go with it. Um, so it's being okay to have time to explore those different concepts for them, for sure. But number one, having an appropriate treatment team on your side. So the appropriate messaging um, and, and being supported as an athlete. Yeah. for sure. Um, RDs to be, you guys rock. <laughs> so you guys are phenomenal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So power to you. Uh, another big thing too, it's the same type of principle, uh, making sure that you're reaching out uh, to mentors and knowing that, uh, that it's okay not to know the answer. It's okay to actually have a voice too. So not being um, held back or afraid based on your experience level, if there's someone um, that's been several more years in the field, uh, because you have your own lived experience, and that is just as important. So don't be afraid to use your voice. That's huge. I love that. Yeah. We're going to make that our, our I'm going to call it our nutrition tipsy of the day. We always leave uh, listeners with like one big burning piece of info. And I think that is so, so important. Sammy, so, we, did, we didn't do rapid fire with Edie. I, th- I <laughs> thought about that. Are we getting to that? <laughs> I thought about that, but we just like jumped right in because we were so excited. Uh, so, I love it. I'm thinking maybe we'll, we'll switch it up and we'll end with ap- rapid fire okay. and, then, yeah. and then we'll sign off. So yeah. we'll, we'll take it right into that. So Edie, tequila, yeah. tequila or vodka? Ooh, tequila. Awesome. Same. Yeah. Um, I was going to say wine or beer, but you already shared that with us on this episode. I'll, I'll go all the way. Malbec. We, I love good Malbec. Malbec. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you like soft shell or hard shell taco? Ooh, soft shell. You can okay. double shell it. Yeah. <laughs> Just give me all the crunch. All the crunch. All yeah. the crunch. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Netflix and chill or night out on in the town? Oh, Netflix and chill. hmm Yes, I could, do, yeah. I could, do, I, I'm like trying to answer them for you to see if I know you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The cats and dog, cats and dogs is one of them. 
Oh, definitely dogs. Oh, because of my doggies. But I love our cat too. She's special, but she acts more like a dog, but dogs. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, this is a big one between myself and our uh, other co-host, Jenna, who's usually here. Do you like crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Oh, smooth. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. It has to be smooth. Okay. I'm Perfect. cheap crunchy, so really? <laughs> technically there's a tie here. Oh, that's for Jenna. Yeah, yeah. you with Jenna. You knew Jenna. And then the last question for you, Edie, is that if you could have one thing in the world in limitless quantities, but it can't be money, what would it be and why? Oh my gosh. Um, this is such a good one. I think I would do, I would definitely have like animals. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would rescue all the animals. <laughs> I love that. That just speaks to your personality and your character. I love you so much. Um, Okay. So last question, which is super simple for anybody who's listening to this and they're like, I need to talk to Edie. I want to get in touch with her. What is the best way for them to reach you on social email? You go ahead and put it out there for them. Yeah, totally. So they can definitely email me. um, And it's Edith, E-D-I-T-H, Nault, N-A-U-L-T-1 at gmail.com. I also have Instagram. Um, I check that most of the time. So (laughs) I'm pretty good with that, but it's speedy, E-D-R-D. Um, and those are the two ways that you can reach out to me. So awesome. We will definitely make sure we will link, um, your social media as well as the Mary Kane video in our show notes. So people can click right over to that. But thank and I can you. send that to you now. <laughs> yes, I'm sure if I Google that, but I actually think I've seen up. that, but, um, it's a really good video. Yes. Yeah. But thank you so, so much, um, for everything. We appreciate everything that you've said. Um, and so excited to share this with so many people. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I had a, I had a blast. So you guys rock. Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon.